Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. Should the Colorado Rockies try to recreate the Blake Street Bombers? Or is there a better way to turn a struggling franchise into a contender once again? This week, we offer up a roundtable discussion featuring longtime scout and radio commentator Ed Henderson, reporter Larry Patrick of the Werfano Journal in Southern Colorado, and Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post. Lots of ideas. Are they solutions? Is the front office listening? But before we get into that, Manny had a chance to visit with Blake Street bomber Vinny Castilla and the son of a bomber, Toronto Blue Jays all-star Bo Bichette. You don't want to miss that. So hopefully you keep listening. Maybe we can all learn something. Things get rolling right after this on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there. Tell them what they're missing. Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them and with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built in location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the Fenways and the Wrigley's, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed. you got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place, the National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. We're back on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. I am uh, thrilled to be joined by original Blake Street bomber Vinny Castilla and Bo Bichette, son of original Blake Street bomber Dante and friend of the podcast. Uh, guys, it's really cool seeing you guys just hang out, talk, t- talk together, and uh, kind of catch up. Um, care to share anything you guys are reminiscing about or catching up with? I mean, it's very nice to see him. And I, I remember when his dad bring it to the ballpark, man. The kid, man, hanging around the I was just looking at his house. birthday. He's 98, so, I mean, he probably was, you know, two, three, toddler, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then when his dad was the hitting coach, too, man. Oh, that's he right. Was, yeah, he was, he was yeah. coming here when he was in vacations from, from school, man. In the case, take some ground balls, I teach him to drop a step and all that. <laughs> that's right. That's what. So every yeah, time we right. see it happen yeah, out there, yeah, we can say yeah, that's no, right that, You know, it's very nice to see him, man, and uh, see him uh, as a superstar now, man. I, I mean, that's um, that's awesome. That's that's great, man. And see, see him when he's a little kid, you now superstar in every All Star game, man. That's that's awesome, man. That's 
That was great. I was with Dante um, for the book uh, down at his place in Florida when we were when he were he was just about to come, Bo was just about to come up, and I think he was, I don't know if you were hurt or not, but we were out there and he's, I was asking him like, what about Bo? You know, because everybody saw it Vlad and everything else, and he's like, I don't know, man, I don't know. You know, he's trying to be just like, okay, we'll see what happens, and then look at like a couple of years later, here we are, and you, and and you lead, uh, I think still. The, the American League in hits over the last, like if you take the last three years all together. Um, he's a bad man. He's a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man. I mean, there's nobody in the AL that has more hits. And I, and I think that's a testament also to his dad and how he coached and everything else. But uh, um, what was that, you know, obviously what was that like being growing up a New Year's kid, but also having your dad kind of teach you, but as he's also said, not over teach, maybe over teach you. Yeah, well, I mean, I learned everything from him, really. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the year that he coached here, um, that was the biggest moment in my life probably for my growth as a player. Really? You know, okay. hanging out with Vinny and hanging out with some of the other players. And, um, they all treated me very well. And uh, I was able to watch how everybody prepared. And I guess that's when I just, for me personally, I decided that I was willing to put in the work that it took oh. to become, you know, a Tulo or a Cargo or a Vinny, you know. and. Um, yeah, so that was a big change for me in my so life. So you're out here on the field with these guys, kind of just, you know, learning the game a little bit, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you knew the game, but learning the game from guys like Vinny. Vinny was out there and taking BP, man, taking ground balls, hanging out in the clubhouse. Did you see it guys. at that point? Like, this guy's going to be somebody? I mean, I, he, he always had the talent, man. Yeah. They just, uh, you know, he, and he loves the game. So it, was, it was just a matter of time, man. The, he, uh, he just focused more in, the, in, in, in baseball and that. Here we are, man, a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really cool to see you guys out here uh, with the Blue Jays in town and everything else. Bo's obviously uh, on the IL, but hoping to be back soon. And uh, hopefully the next time they come through here, which is more often now, yeah. maybe in a couple of years, we'll be able to be on. So thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. All right. Thank you. Yeah, everybody. Man, you and I have talked with Dante and with other people about the idea of recreating the Blake Street Bombers. That's what they should do. So today we're bringing in some guys who are going to help us figure out how they can do that. And, of course, one guy... Patrick Saunders, who doesn't necessarily agree that's the right thing to do. Nonetheless, if it is the right thing to do, well, let's start with Patrick and ask him why it's not the right thing to do. Well, okay, don't get me wrong. They need more power. I mean, to play at Coors Field and have the lack of production that they have right now is ridiculous. I mean, they, this team is getting out hit by a third on home runs at Coors, so they, that can't happen. But I think the best model is probably what they did in nine part of 10 and then in 17 and 18 where you have some not great pitching but versatile starting pitching some good talent but you don't go all in on just bludgeoning teams to death I just don't think that's going to work in this day and age. can't you do both I have can't you can't you pair the seven 2017 pitching staff with the 1995 lineup somehow well, yeah, but have they ever really done that? That's that's the, and that's the question. If you, if you want to go all in with the Bombers in this day and age, you got to remember how the the Bombers came about. It was kind of happenstance outside of Larry Walker. I mean, they kind of fortune, no question. Yeah, it was in in this day and age to get that kind of power and bring those guys in, unless you homegrown. This franchise can't afford that, so I don't think that's going to work because. I don't think they can homegrow those guys. Well, let me let me say this. Uh, I think I see where Patrick's coming from, and I. This is not something. Let's let's just get this out there. This is not something that's going to happen anytime soon if they were to go that way. It's not because they 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 are in a situation now where where 
you are not positioned with the current roster construction, with the current um, philosophy, with the current situation. Um, I was talking to, about, to somebody about this, maybe on the podcast, but what Bill Schmidt's trying to do is he's trying to turn around the Titanic while it's sinking. So it's kind of like it doesn't happen overnight. You're, you're going to have to, and you hope it's not just rearranging deck chairs, right, on the Titanic. You hope there's, there's some purpose to this. This is something we're talking about maybe 10 years. I mean, we're, a, pro, a process, I think, of changing the direction and the philosophy of how to win here because nothing has worked for 30 years. And the closest, I think, maybe, in, I mean, it's a small sample, but 1995, that model was, yeah, bludgeon them to death. Obviously, it's pre-humidor. Bludgeon them to death. Have, a, have an adequate starting rotation for this place. Have a bullpen that's not afraid so that you can come back late in games um, and, and, and go that route. Now, again, creating that, how you do it, that's what we're talking about here on the podcast. But if that is truly the only way to win, I think you got to do it, right? You yeah, if, try. if there's a budget involved, Ed, as Patrick pointed out, Ed Henderson, KOA, if there's a budget involved, how do you go about building that kind of a roster with financial restraints? Well, I think, let's face it, you've got three paths, right? You've got the uh, trade path, you've got the free agency path, and you've got the draft path. And, and I think the, in, in terms of controlling the budget situation, the draft is your biggest asset, right? Because you can get those guys inexpensively and keep them under control for an extended period of time. I think the, Patrick and I have talked about this, I think the last couple of drafts have been pretty good, at least on paper initially. The 22 and the 23 draft, you got to wait several years, unfortunately, to see how that pans out. But I think there's been a reluctance, and it may be, be uh, probably not maybe, it most certainly is because of the financial considerations on free agency and then picking up players via trade. But I think those three paths are what you got to pursue. And unfortunately, I think the Rockies historically have not been able to pull two of the three together at any one given time, except on those rare occasions. And when they have, you've seen the success. So it, it's a blend. I think it's not just recreating the Bombers, but you've got to have a well-balanced team. And just looking at Atlanta this year is a good example. Yeah. That is a devastating lineup, right? I don't think by anybody's measure you want to face that lineup. But let's face it, they got some damn good pitching down there mm-hmm. too, and the defense is solid. And another thing that is an ingredient here that we can't lose sight of is those guys are all having fun. They're enjoying it. Yeah, and, and, and one thing we also have to note here, I think, regarding the budget is when you spend $182 million on Chris Bryant and 70 on Ian Desmond, that's $250 million for, and we were t- Patrick and I were talking about this yesterday, you know, basically negative war, you know. Um, and the, the Rockies have a really bad track record of their free agent signings. How about when you start to open the wallet you spend it wisely, and, you, and, and, and then that's where you sign the big free agent slugger, not a guy who's 30 years old, who has an injury history, and who has passed his prime. But you know, I think about this, the Rockies, have, what they did, and Patrick, you brought this up, with Galarraga, that was a luck, that was luck, right? You got, it's a reclamation project. Dante had had a good, year, good years in Milwaukee, but he wasn't what he became here. Ellis was on the down, sort of the downside of his career too, Walker being the exception. But they, the other teams are still... Max Muncy's a great example. Max Muncy was a reclamation project. The Dodgers found him. Those guys are still out there, Larry Patrick. They're still around. Where do you find them? How, how come they don't find them? Well, I, I, I just think that right now, the Rockies have always had good hitting until the past couple of years. And players still want to come here and play, I think. Uh, the reputation of Coors Field is still a hindrance uh, as far as bringing in pitchers. I mean, back in 95, that Manny's talking about... 
I mean, you had, you know, the good hitters, but they went out, they got Brett Saberhagen. They had pitchers who were willing to come here at that time. Uh, the Nagel experiment and uh, as such uh, didn't work out. That's been 20 years ago. Since the humidor, they're still afraid. Pitchers are afraid to either come here or we're afraid to go out and get them. So we've homegrown the pitchers, which we've had some very good pitchers. But look at what we're going to have now the next couple of years. Uh, we've got Marquez and Sensatella out uh, with uh, arm problems and stuff. We need to bring in the pitching staff. And whoever thought that hitting was going to be our biggest problem, like uh, Patrick said, right now, it's just crazy. Well, why do you think one other thing, Martha, that we haven't touched on. Uh, and, and Manny, you're you're the Blake Street Bomber expert. So what was what was the the incredible year with the home runs and stolen bases? Uh, well, '95 when Eric Young was stealing all the bases. That was Don Baylor. 1996. And they had 200 Ellis, homers as a team plus 200. Ellsbergs. Yeah. So now, to me, the game at Coors Field has changed. Not well. You might even say dramatically with the humidor. Mm -hmm. It's not. You know, it's not Coors Canaveral quite the way it used to be. But to me, one of the most glaring inefficiencies of this team right now, and they're getting better with the young kids, uh, there's no speed. I mean, now you've got Brenton Doyle, and you have Nolan Jones, and to a lesser extent, Ezekiel Tovar. But to play in this ballpark, where you want a lineup that can take advantage of the wide open spaces in the outfield, you want speed. You guys, you want first to third. You want stolen yep. bases. The Rockies don't have that. Well, and, and the one other thing I want to say about this, and I, and I hope Bill Schmidt has a blueprint for what he wants to do. Because I think right now, and I think Bill's starting to show some of this, the franchise right now is kind of rudderless. I mean, what is the plan? Who are the Rockies? I think Bill Schmidt is starting to steer this team. But, I mean, ever since the, the Arnado fiasco and losing DJ after 18 and... And, and some of the misspent money on some of the bullpen failures. It's like, what is this team trying to do? And that's why we're having the discussion. Because yep. you guys are saying, well, what has worked and what's well, been entertaining? I, I can tell you the this. Bombers. I can tell you this. As a pitcher, when you face a team like the 95 or 96 Rockies that can steal bases and that are aggressive on the base pass, that splits the pitcher's concentration. It's enough to face Andres Galarraga. But when you've got to face Andres Galarraga with Eric Young on first base, knowing that Galarraga's very likely to get a single. If, if, if EY steals second, that's a run already. I mean, that kind of distraction, Don Baylor kind of offense, which contributed mightily to all the home runs the Blake Street Bombers hit, is something that can be done. Again, well, that can be brought back. Now, a couple things that Patrick said that I wholeheartedly agree with here. Um, one, the, steel, the, the, the speed aspect, the power-speed combination here. I mean, Ed mentioned the Braves. I mean, come on. They're doing the same thing. Look at, Acuna is obviously the poster boy for this, but and he's one in a, a million. But um, this is a place that is made for that. And not only that, you want chaos for the other team. Exactly. You want you want guys running around the bags, the crowd going nuts, balls uh, rolling to the wall. You know, guys having trouble picking it up because of the noise, because of the, the seeing all these guys flying around the bag, bags. You need to you need to create chaos for the other team. Ellsberg's would would often say when they finished a road trip back in those days in the 90s when they started coming back home it might have been a tough road trip most of the road trips were yeah. but they come home and they get on the plane and say nightmare on Blake Street coming home and it wasn't a night and Blake's and Coors and Blake Street wasn't the nightmare they were 
for pitchers. Yeah. They were for, they were saying, we're going to go and play our brand of baseball, which you might not like, you might hate it, but that's what we want. We want the other team to hate it. Yeah. We want other teams not to come in here. Honestly, but, this is one of the sleeping, could be one of the sleeping giants of baseball here. If Because I talk to a lot of visiting uh, managers when I cover visiting teams, and I ask them, and they're like, we, a lot of times it's just, we just want to get out of here healthy, and we just want to get out of here you know, without using too, too much of our bullpen. They never say we're worried about the Rockies. They're never concerned yeah. about the team that they're playing. That's right. If let, you could let be me, concerned let about Let me play team. devil's advocate for a moment here about the Bombers. So, okay, the Rockies began in 93. They made the playoffs in 95 in a, in a shortened season. Not a, a dramatically a shortened short, season, yeah. but it was after the 94 right. strike. Well, guys, they didn't make the playoffs again till what, 07? And the Blake Street Bombers were legendary and great and stuff. And yeah, they were a 500-ish yeah. baseball Which would be a playoff team. team now. Well, yeah, well see, that's a good point. But at the same time, it, how it wasn't very sustainable. And then it, Gebhardt left, and O'Dowd came in and tried to redo the whole thing. Hey, everybody. Um, okay. So I don't know if. I don't know. It, I mean, it's got to get lucky with a couple of reclamation projects. You got to well, find the next Max Muncy. There's a couple there. of things here. One, um, injuries played somewhat of a role in that. Larry Walker broke his collarbone in April of 1996, um, and those teams, yeah, they did finish near 500 most of the time for many of those seasons. This team doesn't. Um, and so I said this to, I think, uh, Patrick Lyons maybe or somebody on another podcast, if you're going to lose, lose in an entertaining way. <laughs> Hit a lot of home runs. Yeah. You, you know, talking about putting butts in the seats, I'll put butts in the seats. It did back then. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a new ball, ballpark, beautiful. But you know what? Um, if you can create an identity ar- around your not only your team but your ballpark, that this is a place that nobody wants to come to for more than just altitude. Our guys are going to be a little bit more tired. They want to sleep well. I mean, those are things that should be secondary to we're going to get our butts kicked when we go to Coors Field. And I just think that given everything that's been tried, over the last 30 years, between O'Dowd especially, he was out of the box all, all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, piggybacking, all that, you know, all the things that they tried. They should have been piggybacking this year. <laughs> well, the bottom line is, is I think now, it's like, you know what? Lean into what this could be for you in terms of an intimidation factor, in terms of, um, and if guys stay healthy, and if they're relatively young, especially if you develop them. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys, those, again, those guys were, were not young. The, the right. Blake Street Bombers. They were later in their careers when they even started yeah. their stardom, really, except Larry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, again, look, nothing's foolproof, right? But uh, it certainly seems like it's worth a shot. Hey, and if you're a, you're a draft guy, you're, you're a scout, um, they're going to have to, we've just, we, all, we know, you're going to have to determine um, that they have to draft pitchers. They're, right. they're not going to sign, as Larry pointed out, they're not going to sign a lot of free agent pitchers. How come the guys that keep drafting, and we all think they have got upside, but they can't stay healthy? Is there something wrong in the developmental process there? Boy, that's a great question, Mark. I would tell you, I think, yes, there is. Uh, Where it is, I don't know. But they seem to be having too much of that going on. And as we were talking earlier, you know, about pitching, and this, I I don't want to call it a myth, but it's certainly, I think, an overstated uh, issue about pitching at Coors Field. That's a lot of nonsense. I mean, the reality is that there's been teams in this town, in Denver, over the history of the city of Denver, that have played baseball here, had great pitching, and been successful. So, you know, there's, as I said to you earlier, there's a winning pitcher at Coors Field every day. Unfortunately, it's not often enough a Rockies pitcher. But the other thing, Manny, I want to get back to here, and, and it really handcuffs this team. It handcuffs any franchise. When you, when you take a swing and miss on Ian Desmond, and, and more importantly now, unfortunately, with Chris Bryant, 
I mean, I think the front office then gets terrified about spending money on free agency because they're like, cycle. it's a cycle, and and we're not seeing any results. I mean, the return on investment with Desmond was dismal, and it's been non-existent with Chris Bryant. So, I mean, who you don't leave out Daniel Murphy? And, that's uh, right, Wayne uh, Davis. That's right. That's exactly right. All the rest of them. I mean, but that doesn't mean you stop doing it. You still got to roll the dice and take a shot, right? I mean, you can't just stop doing what what builds a ball club. You got those three paths again. It's draft, free agency, or trade. You better figure out a way to do two of those well. Or you're not going to be well, successful. And and the, we all have agreed that, and point out, trades are one of the ways they're going to do this, and they've been historically terrible at that for the reasons you mentioned, Patrick. Sentimentality, whatever. They hang on to guys. They've got to make more. I mean, the Nolan Jones trade, as Manny and I were talking about, turns out to be the kind of trade they have to keep making. They, because Carlos Gonzalez for Matt Holiday was a great move, Houston Street and all that. And uh, even Ian Stewart and Tyler Colvin for DJ LeMayu with the Cubs was a good deal. You can almost count the good deals this organization's made historically on one hand. No, exactly right. And I'll tell you what, the team that, well, I don't know if this is an apt comparison, because the Baltimore Orioles tanked completely. Right. Right, they lost more than 100 games, I think, three times in four years or whatever it was. But what we're talking about is how they've rebuilt themselves into a contender in the tough AL East. Okay, yes, they lost. They rebuilt their farm system. They got a new GM in from outside the organization. They they drafted really well, uh, built up a great farm system, and they did exactly what you're talking about. They found players, I don't know if you want to call them reclamation projects, but players who kind of fell through the cracks and were able to make a contribution to the big league Same way club. Tampa Bay has done. Exactly. And the Rockies have to start finding a way to do that. And they spend a lot, the Rockies spend a lot more money than either the Orioles or Tampa Bay, right? The problem is how wisely do the Rockies spend money, i.e. Ian Desmond, i.e. Chris Bryant. And let's face it, as much as I love Charlie Blackman, that was a pretty long extension for him too, right? And no one. Daniel Bard. Yeah, and Daniel Bard, and we all love his story, but, right? Sentimentality again. Yeah, so, you know, I think there's got to be a change of attitude. Do you think think they've got four first basemen now? Brian's going to play first base, right? We all agree he's not going to play the outfield anymore for this team. Do you think they would consider trading a Montero or a Nolan Jones? Well, not Nolan Jones, he's not first baseman. Or Goodman, or any of these guys who are good young first base to try to get some of the pitching that they badly need. Yeah, I mean, I... Again, it goes back to uh, Patrick's comment about sentimentality. It's, is this a t- are they going to finally start to take those kinds of risks on guys like they did with, with the, the Nolan Jones trade where it's kind of like, well, and you mentioned it, well, it's both players ended up doing really well uh, where, where they end, when landed, up, landed so far. But that's the risk you take, right? And, and if it's a win-win, great. They just don't seem to pull the trigger on those things enough. That's that is a defining question right there. If they are able to start making those moves, and kudos to this group for making that that move. And Bill Schmidt, I think, has the right idea. I think he's. I think he's. I think he knows what he's trying to do, and he has a, a plan. He's not exactly the most verbose person, a talkative person, to tell us, you know, what that plan might be, or kind of give us hints as to which he's direction they're going to go in. Yeah, you will. But but the thing about it is, I think he does know. And the question is, is that, how, you know, how how quickly are they going to remake the image of this organization and the the the, the really the fo- show us what their new philosophy is, if there's a new philosophy. And if there's not a new philosophy, then this 
place is going to be in trouble for a long time. We don't have much value. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, some, might be the only one. Jones and Montero, and some, they're young guys who are just starting to prove themselves. I don't know what you get in return for well, them right now. It's going to take a couple of years, though. For that, yeah, it's going to take a couple for, of years. For that, for, to, to think what they've got. And that, that's, where, that's why we're having this discussion. We're talking about what do the Rockies do in this kind of vacuum of a, of a time where it's like, well, they don't know who they are right now. This is a complete, there's a new chapter for this team waiting. It's to be written yet. And, and we had the Blake Street Bombers era. We had the... Uh, the um, hell, uh, what was it? Todd and the toddlers. We had uh, we had the Arnado story, Lemayhu time. None of those ended up in a championship. What's the next one? And does it involve trying to strategically use your home ballpark more than you do? Let me ask this question: All three, all four of you guys. Is Dick what Dick Monfort said? He said this before the expanded playoffs. But at the time, he said, "Our model says we can compete for a playoff spot twice every five years." Is I mean that was before they expanded the playoffs. Is that still realistic, twice every five years? I don't think so. Twice every five years. But here's the thing. With, I really think for teams like the Rockies, it's about windows of opportunity. They're not the Dodgers. They're not the Yankees, uh, whoever else the top-tier teams are, right? They're, they're just not. So if you're the Rockies, I don't know about two every five years. Can they do better than that? On occasion, yes. But what you've got... Do they believe they can do better than that? What's that? Do they believe they can do better than that? I don't know. That's a good question. It has to be a... Each window needs to be a sustained window. That's the thing. Because now now more than ever, with three wild cards in each uh, league, the playoffs are minefield. You, if you really want to have a chance to win the World Series, you've got to be in it every year for a good five, six years. And yeah, okay. I mean, beyond that, you may have to reboot. But you need to sustain it. Back, back to the point about the first baseman and trades okay. and stuff. To me, okay, we look at this young outfield talent coming up, and, and we don't know if Brenton Doyle is going to figure out the hitting aspect, but as a center field, he's essential. There's some really exciting young players, position players. But the cupboard's bare with pitching right now. And, and, and my worry for this organization is the window for the, the uh, position players is going to wa- wide open. But the pitching's not going to be there. So what they need to do is find out where they have depth. That, and it might be first place. base. Yes. It might be Brendan Rodgers. Because yep. you have Amador coming up who right. might play second base. Yep. And let's face it, Brendan Rodgers has not been – he's not a franchise they kind of player. They could have traded him last year yeah, and they got a really have. good pitcher for yes. him. Right. And those are the kind of things they've got to be willing to do. And I'm not talking about a, a, a class – you know, a high or a low A pitcher. We're talking about a double A or a triple A guy who can move into the rotation in the next two years, three years, match him up with the window of position players, and you might have a shot. Hey, hey Larry, two out of five years, is that, I mean, to me, that seems with the new expanded playoffs, that's not enough. We, we, we haven't seen it with the Rockies so far in their 30 years, as far as that goes. But I, also, I just don't think, ask, I think Patrick's right, I don't think asking two out of five years, that's not asking enough, in my opinion. No, you I should try to build it sustainable. I totally agree with that. And I want to touch on this thing about sentimentality. We talked about maybe the team holding on to players too long. I think one of the big problems in this organization is they hold on to front office people sometimes too long. And and I know that's going to piss some people off when I say that, but I'm just being blunt about it. I mean, it's all about results, guys. And, you know, you, you, you do things like, you know, what we've seen the last few years where you, you tie up a lot of money in a few guys. I think they get scared. They're unwilling to 
to, to make the move, I think you got to have the courage to say, I'm willing to make a mistake once in a while, and I'll take the crap for it if it hits the fan. Well, you, being a, Bill, Bill Smith's a scouting guy. That's his history. Do you think he's, he's looking at that two out of every five years, or does he see, I remember the old guy, guy that used to talk about waves of players, having waves of guys coming in. Is that how a scout looks at it? Do you think you got the next wave of guys coming in, and you can get you can be up there and be a near – if you're near 500 every year, you're in the playoff talk every yeah, year. Yeah, but I think it's like what Patrick was saying. You've got to be able to match those windows up to where the pitching and defense window is matching up with the slugging yeah. window. Right. Because if you don't have that, you've got a problem. You're going to be always going to be behind one category or another. That's the way, so That's the way it was in 2017 18. Hey, hey, real quick, let me, let me share a real quick anecdote with you. Um, I'm working on a big end-of-the-season Rockies project about where – pretty much what we're talking about here. So – you can quote a, us, by the way, if you want. Okay. I had a text conversation, fairly lengthy one, with Dan O'Dowd because I wanted him to go on the record to help me with the project. And the bottom line is Dan declined. He was very respectful about it. He didn't want to participate. And essentially he said, you know what? I don't think you or any other reporter, whoever, or a lot of people, even people who've lived it, understand what it's like to figure out baseball here in Colorado. He said, so I'm not going to way in because I don't think any, you get it and he didn't mean it as an insult to me right. although maybe he did but <laughs> but 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 the the bottom line is uh, baseball altitude is different it is but here's what my take on it I sometimes think that the Rockies being as insular as they are in other words we don't change the front office everything's trickled down we keep everybody one, it's loyalty, and Dick Monfort's on the record that's saying his, he's 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 too loyal sometimes. That's his business that, model from right? Iraq. Okay, but I also wonder: Do the Rockies think you know what? Why bring in somebody from the outside who doesn't know what it's like to yeah, live point. at altitude? Because they can't; they wouldn't be able to figure it out. I have a different point of view. I think you need some fresh ideas in here. Who might look at it and say, you know what? You've tried this, you've tried this, you've tried this. Let's try it this way. That was Kelly McGregor's philosophy as well. Yes. you're talking about. And they lost that when they lost Kelly. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah, so um, it's just like what Ed, Ed also said something similar along the lines of uh, fresh ideas and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And the only middle ground here is if the same people are going to be there, fresh ideas from those people. And uh, Is that possible? Well, that's the question. And, and if that happens... And they have these discussions kind of like what we're doing right now. I mean, we're no GMs. We're armchair GMs. But it also, at the same time, we're media. So we have to observe and report and also analyze what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing that here. And you know what? This is, this is, this is a, a pivotal point in the Rockies' history. This could be a time that can be looked back on as, wow, they, they really used that time to make it happen for the future or more of the same. Right. Hey guys, really, really appreciate. We all are, right? Really appreciate your time. Uh, great discussion. Um, we're happy. We're happy to get to do this. Hopefully, like Manny said, a year from now we're not sitting here doing having the same discussion. Uh, baby steps, Ed. We just got to be settled, settled for baby steps. We'll be around. All right. I hope Ed and I are still alive. Yeah, yeah. we all am. We don't want to be the Chicago Cubs. Manny, you got a closer? Yes, sir. All right, bring it. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com.
Braves superstar outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. recently did something nobody else in MLB history had ever done, creating a new club in which he is one of one, the 30-homer, 60-steel club. And since then, he's continued his march toward history. He truly has a chance to reach another unprecedented milestone, the 40-70 club. So, that got the closer thinking about great power-speed combinations in Rockies history, and there have been a few really good ones. This edition is dedicated to the great slugging and speed combinations in the franchise's 30-year history. You've got to start with the Hall of Famer Larry Walker. Walker is one of just 18 players to hit at least 350 home runs and steal at least 200 bases in his career. And in 1997, when he won the only MVP award in Rockies history, he came one home run shy of inaugurating the 50-30 club, belting 49 home runs and stealing, fittingly given his uniform number, 33 bases. The year before that, the Rockies had two players reach the 30-30 milestone. Two other Blake Street Bombers, Ellis Burks and Dante Bichette. Prior to the Rockies having two players achieve this milestone in the same season, there had only been 25 occurrences of a 30-30 season in Major League history. Since that trio of original Blake Street Bombers, who played under a manager who was all about speed and power, together, Don Baylor, his brand of baseball was even dubbed Baylor Ball, there have only been five players in franchise history to go 2020. Now, these were great players in their own right, certainly qualifying as power speed guys in their heyday. But it speaks to the overall lack of power and speed combinations for the Rockies in the last quarter century, something we spoke about on this week's podcast as having to return if the Rockies are truly going to make Coors Field a home field advantage. Those five are Matt Holliday, yes, Matt Holliday, who had 25 home runs and 20 ste- 28 steals in 2008, Troy Tulowitzki, 32 homers and 20 steals in 2009. Carlos Gonzalez, who was 2020 or better each year from 2010 to 13. Trevor Story, who reached 2020 or better in 2018, 19, and 21. And Ian Desmond in 2018. If the Rockies are truly going to create a winning identity that involves cores in a big way, Baylor Ball needs to return, no? Manny in just in time for another save. I think that's 87 in a row. That puts the finishing touch on another park-adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to Ed Henderson, Larry Patrick, and Patrick Saunders, and of course, Vinny Castilla and Bo Bichette, too. And thank you for joining us as well. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.